So we've been talking about how to have, uh, you know, spiritual renewal in your life, habits for spiritual renewal, because we want to prevent falling into the deception and demonization that is so prevalent out there in the world right now. And I'll just tell you this, people who are perpetually renewed in the things of God are not very good candidates for deception. And they're certainly not candidates for the demonization the enemy is trying to do in the lives of so many people. I said this last week, but I've never seen more Christians, you know, operating with a blind-minding spirit than I have today. And it's a dangerous, dangerous thing. And so what you want to do is not even open up the door to it. You don't want to play around with the things of this world so that thing can come in and then blind you to right conduct in terms of uh, right conduct but also right believing. So the first principle was the, the renewing of the mind. And we, we've learned to renew the mind, then do it, then do it again, then do it again. Paul made this very plain. The, the, it is the renewing of the mind. We're not to conform to this world's pattern, but be what? renewed and transformed in that mind, in that mindset. And that's the key to renewal. And that's not going to come because somebody preached a sin winder, because you heard something on TV that was great. It's because you've taken the Word of God seriously enough to get into the Word every single day. Now, you don't have to read five or 15 chapters, but every day you should be taking the hold of the Word, you know, receiving it through your eyes, through your ears, saying it out of your mouth, you know, meditating on what it says, memorizing it, and applying it to your life. Here's a little trick for you. The quicker you apply the Scripture to your life, the more set it's going to be in your life. Don't hear something and say, well, one day I'll get around to actually doing what it says. Do it quickly. Turn to somebody and tell them, do it quickly. And the second principle, of course, is not just renewing the mind, but refreshing the heart. How many of you still believe that you can be daily refreshed in His presence? Yes. We want days of refreshing. We don't have to wait for a certain chronological time in the church history or the clock of God. We can be refreshed every single day. And we've learned that we should be born again, but also Spirit-filled. And if you're Spirit-filled, you should be what? Singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Praying in tongues, but also singing in the Spirit. And also having a thankful heart. Did you know that being thankful will keep you renewed in your heart and refreshed in your heart? People that are thankless are bitter and miserable people. They always see everything that's wrong. They never see everything that is right in the lives. And I can tell you right now, there's far more right with you than wrong with you. I, amen. You have far more blessings going on than challenges. But we have a way of looking at everything that's wrong instead of focusing on what God has done in the past. And I tell you, not only is it dishonorable towards Him, but it causes us to be in, a, in an inferior and compromised state. We can't afford to be in a compromised spiritual state. The warfare is real. Turn to somebody and tell them, you're in a real war. It's not pretend. Unless you're, you know, asleep in a coma under a rock in the sea, you know this nation's in a spiritual battle for its very soul. And you're a part of that as a child of God. Not to get off into some other realm, but to function and fight in the realm that you're in as a child of God. So you need to be refreshed in your heart every single day. So don't think that, uh, well, I received the Holy Ghost, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 5 years ago, I'm set. You need to be refreshed every single day of your life. And you can do that with certain things as you follow Paul's prescription for being refilled. He didn't say be filled once. You all were baptized, you know, in the Holy Spirit. He came in you and upon you, but you can have many, many, many refillings. How many refillings? As many as you want. You ever been to a restaurant and you had a good server and they kept coming around with a pitcher? Yeah. Amen. More water, more drink, and you back, they floated out of the restaurant. You can have as much as you want. 
Amen. You can eat as much as you want of the Word in terms of renewing your mind. You can have as much of the Spirit of God as you want. It's in, you know, the limits are based on what you're really willing to do to drink and to drink and to drink some more. Say it with me, I have a hefty appetite. It reminds me of being a, you know, a parent with Timothy being two or three years old and watching Winnie the Pooh videos. Amen. I'm a hefty, hefty appetite. I'm a hefty, hefty poo. And that's what you all want to be. Amen. Say it. Hefty, hefty, hefty appetite. appetite. You just keep on, amen, developing your hunger and you keep on being thirsty. And if you're thirsty, you're going to drink. And if you drink, you're going to be refreshed. And you don't have to wait between services to do it. Can I have an amen? amen. Can I have a better Amen. amen. You can be what? Renewed daily and you can be refreshed daily. The third aspect about being in a, in a perpetual state you know, of, of renewal spiritually in your life has to do with your relationship, not just with the Word and with the Spirit, but also with the Church of Jesus Christ. And if there is a crisis right now in this country, it's within Christianity you know, in the Western Church and their relationship with their local church. Uh, there are a lot of things out there that uh, people believe. And because they believe in them, uh, they've not had the connection they need because they've not had the connection they need with the local church. They're living far below God's privileges and they're, they're dealing with things and going through things in such a way it's setting them up for defeat when that was never God's intention at all. God wants you to be completely connected. So when I say reconnected with the church, I mean connect and connect and connect and connect and connect. And some people, all they have to do is have something not go their way, get their little feelings hurt, get it offended, and they disconnect like a Lego snapping off the toy. Yeah. You've got to be on there like crazy glue. Yes. Yes. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Yes. I'm assuming you're all born again tonight. Amen. And, Amen. Okay. <laughs> Uh, and you're going to see tonight that uh, if you think church is an option, uh, you were sold a, a Christianity that is not biblical. That's right. Amen. Me and Barb tonight in agreement. Uh, this message is kind of like Jesus loves me, this I know. There ought to be lots of amens. But because we're, we're independent, we're Americans, you know, we, just, we have no need of anything. We think that's not a big deal. And the reality, that's caused us to be far less effective in this world than we could be. Um, so the American church needs to hear not about, uh, oh, it doesn't make any difference if you go to church. It doesn't make any difference if you serve. It doesn't make any difference if you're there. That is a huge lie, and I'll tell you why. While we will never equate the edicts of the church to the same level as the inerrant Word of God. That's right. what, the God what our God does do in and through the church matters for our strengthening, for our empowerment. You say, what's an example of that? If, if the Pope makes a declaration, that is the high council. Even if it contradicts with the Word of God. And unfortunately, oftentimes it does contradict the Word of God. To us as people who believe in the inerrancy of Scripture, there's no proclamation of a man or a woman that's at the same level as the Word of God, right. including the prophetic. Amen. Are you here? Right. There are people in the modern church that think the prophetic equals the Word of God. They're in error. There is no tongue and interpretation. There is no prophecy that is equal to the authority of the Word of God. Now, doesn't that mean, it doesn't mean they're not useful to us. It doesn't mean that we're not, God's not speaking to us. Notice that when a prophecy goes forth today, it's through human agency. Yeah. Yes. Human flesh, yes. human emotion. And that's just on the speaking end. Now let's talk about on the receiving end. Yeah. 
a filter here, a filter there, a perspective here, a perspective there, and you got what? You got a whole lot of ideas of what that actually meant and what it could relate to. The Word of God, though, is unified and singular and authoritative and eternal. But if you're, if you're in that uh, Roman Catholic environment and uh, the Pope speaks, he has just declared something that is the highest authority in that land. In other words, to them, the church has a role that's extra biblical. Evangelicals have gone the other route where they haven't seen the church as important as it actually is. And what has that done? It's actually hurt people. It's actually kept them weak. It's like, it's like they're, they're embracing something that's causing them to be weak and defeated and they can't quite put their finger on what it is. And what it is is your relationship needs to be strong with the local church. Yes. Yes. yes it does. Amen. 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 Let me try that one more time because somebody told me this was the Overcomers Club and they told me that Wednesday night was a serious crowd. Mm -hmm. Amen. Now, if Gary can amen me, <laughs> let's all say it together. Ready? Amen. amen. And so we see uh, scriptures that will really help us, like in Acts chapter 3, once you do, well, we're all, we're all down to uh, Hebrews, excuse me, Hebrews chapter 10. And reconnecting to the church, we should do it and do it and do it again. Now, we can't do anything about people who disconnect and disconnect and disconnect and disconnect, but that doesn't need to be your heritage. Uh, any old fleshly person can do that. Takes no faith, takes no endurance, takes no integrity, just disconnect. Um, I believe that you ought, to, you ought to bloom where God planted you. That's it. Amen. Amen. Do you know that God sets His people in the body where He wants them to be? Yes, He does. 1 Corinthians 12. He sets leaders where they should be, but He just doesn't set leaders where they're supposed to be. He sets the people where they're supposed to be. I mean, shock and all, but apparently you have something to contribute. People, people don't always believe that. I'm just here. No, that's not true. You contribute something very, very powerful. And apparently there's something you need. Look at somebody say, I need to give something. I need to give something. And I need to download something. And I need to download something. There's two sides to that coin is what we are receiving from our connection to that. Amen. And how many know that your electrical appliances won't work if they're disconnected? There's something that you receive, but there's also something you give out. So I, I plug a fan into the wall. What do I receive? Power, right? I'm plugged in, but then I turn around and I do what? The fan starts, and now the fan does what? Gives something, provides something. Um, you ever turn on an appliance or short something out or electricity or you know a, a clap of thunder and it ruins something in your house and doesn't work? Is it plugged in? Yeah. Is the power turned on? Yeah. What's wrong with that thing? It's no longer giving anything. It's just, it was just receiving. Um, you as the child of God um, are, are made to connect so that you can receive, but so that you can also give. And you'd be amazed how many believers 
Um, I still think that it's, it's the job of the clergy, the professional ministry, anybody that's actually you know, compensated for ministry, they're the ministers and the rest of us are just there to kind of cheer them on and praise the Lord, pray a little bit, you know, hang out. No, uh, God's got a much bigger dream for you than that. And ministries that teach that nonsense is what I call the clergy laity myth. It's not in Scripture. There's no such thing as clergy in the Scripture. There's no thing as laity. There are ministers in the church. And then there are equipping ministers in the church. Our job is to equip you for works of service. Say it with me. I am a minister. minister. I don't have a credential card. Half the time I don't know where mine is. So we're equal on that. That's not what makes you holy. So I just took that one away from you, didn't I? <laughs> it's not you having a ministry card from man. It's that you have a ministry mandate from heaven. Amen. Scripture does not call you laity. That's a creation of the professional ministry to cause a division. Why do you think, it's not just sound. Why do you think they crawl up in those boxes 50 feet high? So you would know your place and you would know their place. That's not how this works. Shepherds have to get there and among the sheep. And how I many you know sometimes sheep are dirty? If you don't believe that, look around the church after Sunday morning, you'll see sheep droppings everywhere, all throughout the house of God. I mean, Barb is in the ministry of sheep droppings. And let me ask you, uh, Michael Swinger, do sheep bite? <laughs> that didn't take him long to answer at all. Let me, let me in. Let me uh, let y'all in on a secret. Shepherds can bite too. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, there's something for you to receive, and there's something for you to give. This scripture in Hebrews 10 is far more than just, y'all ought to go to church. I want you to listen to this and let the Spirit speak to you through the Word of God. In verse uh, 19, therefore, brothers and sisters, so who is the apostle talking to? Christians. Everybody say it with me Christians. Christians. He's not talking to the lost, he's talking to the household of faith. Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God. With a sincere heart, with a full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Hallelujah. Do you believe that? Yes. Do you believe he's faithful to complete the work he's begun in you? Yes. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not, it says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So this paragraph tells you about the, the function of the church and the members of the church. Well, Pastor, I'm not a member, I'm just a tenor. I don't care what you call yourself. If you're here, amen, you should be an active what? Participant in what God is actually doing here. And this paragraph teaches us that not only should we be doing these things, we shouldn't be getting demotivated as the day approaches. We should be more motivated than ever to be the church as that day approaches. And there there seems to be a a correlation between 
emphasis on the end times and the reality of his return and what the church actually does. Some lull to sleep, some falling away, you know, some hopping around like a frog from place to place to place. Let me just tell you something to get this out of my system right now. You cannot uh, grow roots hopping around. No. And number two, you can't build anything when you do things like that. Could you imagine if a teacher showed up only two days a month to teach their class, what would happen to those students? Could you imagine if a construction crew only came once a month, how long would that take to finish a project? Yeah. Or what if the doctors and the nurses only showed up on two special days a month? Mm. Nothing would work, no. even in the carnal secular world, with that kind of a mindset. And we're not dealing with carnal things. We're not dealing with buildings that one day will be destroyed. We're not dealing with bodies that one day will be raptured or will die in death. We're dealing with eternity. Yes. If anybody ought to be motivated about what they're doing, it should be the church in the last days. Yes. And how, how ridiculous is that? Um, how marginal is that? You see it all throughout America. Not even important enough to even show up with any level of consistency and faithfulness. You say, well, you know... Um, is that a sign of the times? Yeah. There is a falling away. Let me give you this though. There's also a coming together. And those that will come together and honor His Word like this passage, you're going to see more and more of the power of God in your life. Amen. You're going to see the goodness of God in your life. You're going to see the Lord put a heavenly exclamation point over your life for being faithful in this time and in this season. Say it with me, I am faithful. My eyes aren't what people do. I'm looking at what the Word says. And so years ago I looked at the Scripture and I realized that uh, what you're seeing here are a series of statements by the Apostle. And how many know if it's in the Word of God it's binding on us. And this Apostle is saying to us, and some people differ as to their opinion as to who the Holy Spirit actually used to write the book of Hebrews. Some say Paul, some say others. It's irrelevant because the Holy Ghost wrote the book of Hebrews for you and for me. Don't get bound up by that, except for it's explicitly stated in the original language. This is who actually actually wrote this. But the bottom line is, the apostle who gave this to us by the Holy Ghost is telling us what the church collectively, together, collaboratively should be doing. Amen. And he does this in a series of let us statements. Not you all do it, we won't do it. Not, oh, we'll do it and you don't have to do anything. Or we will do it as leaders and some of you and the rest of the people could just sit out. Uh -uh. No, the concept is let what? Us. Let us. Turn to somebody and say the church, the church is the collaborative effort the among the whole. Among Nobody doing everything. Amen. No one taking a breather. Nobody taking a break. Amen. But they're, they're in there because they take this seriously. Now as I go through these, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish this up by telling you why it's so important for you to be part of that let us. Yes. Instead of pointing and saying, let them. Let them do it. Those people on the platform. Let those people who have the speaking ministries. No, that's not what it says. The apostle has gathered himself together with the church as a whole, and he's telling the Hebrews, let us together think about the role we're supposed to have as the church. Let us means the call to function as a unit. Many parts, but what? But one body. Amen. Say so, many, many parts. One body. 
Have you ever gotten up in the morning, you're in a hurry, and then you get yourself together and get your, get your coffee, grab your car keys, and uh, you, know, you notice that your right arm just decided not to come? I just, it's too tired. It wanted to stay in bed that day. Amen. Or you got in the shower and your left leg fell off. I'm not going today. I am done. I've had enough of this. And how many are glad that you went out of the door with your head on straight? But what if your head said, no, I don't want to go today? <laughs> Say ridiculous? That's exactly how the body of Christ has been functioning in America for decades. Arms stayed home over here, legs stayed home over there, there's a pancreas over here in this house. Huh? Uh, the liver decided to go out on the lake today. Uh-oh. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, there's, there's a ball game on today, so I should go over there. There goes the lungs. Imagine if you like, tried to live your life in the natural like that. How productive would you be? How mobile would you be? How effective would you be? That's exactly how the body of Christ has been acting and performing for decades. And the Holy Ghost is saying just very simply, it's time for the church to get its act together. Amen. Get its what? Its act together. Together. Let us means the call to function as a unit where we're strengthened. The first statement is let us, meaning together, draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings. Not just some, but all drawing near. What did God say? If you draw near to me, he'll draw near to us. It's not rocket science. But only part of the church drawing near to God is not going to give us the function that we need. We need everybody drawing near to God. Turn your neighbor and smile at them. We need you to draw near to God. Say it boldly. I need to draw near to God. And then continue to do that. The point he's making is it's not a few of you draw near to God or me as the apostle all draw near to God. We'll be just fine. I mean, the whole point is if, if we were going to get by in the American church with the efficacy and the authority and the wisdom and the revelation and the power of just the speaking gifts and ministry gifts, if that's what it took to turn this nation around, it would have been turned around already. We are not short on teaching. And I'll even throw this out there to you. There has never been a, a, an emphasis and import on prayer like I've seen the past 15, 20 years in this nation. So it's not even a lack of that. It's a lack of what? Collectively the church drawing near. Not a few stumbling and bumbling and fumbling, you know, and over here and they're over there. They're up, they're down, they're in, they're out. But everybody together, what? Drawing near. And you say, well, I can only take care of me. Yes, that's exactly right. We'll see what your involvement is with other lives as we go through this lesson tonight. But uh, that's what we're talking about is everyone coming to the same conclusion. Mm -hmm. Amen. Everybody wanting to be on fire for God. Yes. yes. Praise the Lord. Everybody wanting to be what they used to call hot for God. Yes. Amen. Yes. Neither cold nor hot, but they're what he said. Lukewarm. If that's true, and since Jesus said it, we have to think that it is. Amen. Mm -hmm. It's true. There's a lot of lukewarmness in the body of Christ. So, 
What does everybody do? Together, let us stop being lukewarm. Amen? Everybody ought to burn with a passion and the zeal for the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just a few. Amen? You know, the churches are notorious for having those few people that are weirdos and wackos because they're so on fire for God. Can I tell you something? They weren't supposed to be the exception. And they're not the wackos. They're actually doing it right. Not perfect. But they're actually heading down the right path. See, the thing is, in, in contrast to a big chunk of the body of Christ, they look strange. They're not normal. You're not supposed to be normal. Amen. You're supposed to be a peculiar people. So don't be surprised when on fire people are lit strange. <laughs> Amen. I'm going to go over here and speak for a while. Because they look like, yeah. Say it with me. Let us draw near to God. Second statement is implied here, of course. Let us, who? Hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Not be the message be you know etched away and fretted away from you and undermined by what the world says or this culture says, but you're holding unswervingly to the hope. What? The hope that there's only one way and his name is Jesus. The hope that he's coming again. And he's coming for you. Holding unswervingly. Say the unswervingly. Which means you are constant in your hope, you're constant in your faith, you're constant in your diligence. None of these things are going to move me. No matter what this world does or what people think about you, you are not turning from the Lord. Amen? You've crossed the line already. As for you and your house, you're going to do what? Serve the Lord. Why would Joshua say something like that? Because there were a lot of people who had not crossed that line. But he was saying, as for me and my house, what are we going to do? We're going to serve the Lord. Now, if you're a child in that house, you're going to take your cue from the, from the, you know, from the adults in the house. So the adults need to be saying that and then enforcing it. Well, my kid doesn't want to go to church. My kid doesn't want to go to youth. My kid doesn't want to go to Sunday school. Aren't you supposed to be the adult? Yes. Amen. And let me help you out here, parents. And you can just, uh, you know, this isn't about you. It's for somebody else who's not here tonight. <laughs> Do not use, you know, children's events and youth events that are going to impact their lives spiritually as a means of discipline. Amen. Do something else. Take the car keys away. Sell the phone. Amen. Yeah. But don't block them from church. That's right. Amen. Can I have a better amen than that? Amen. I said, can I have a better amen than that? Amen. You know, parents, if, if little Johnny comes up, he says, it's, you know, it's time to go to school. He's in the third. I don't want to go to school today. I don't want to go to tomorrow. Guess what you're going to say? You're going to school. Let the same kids say, I don't want to go to kids' church. And you'll say, Okay. Okay. I told them they weren't going to like this tonight, didn't I? I said that. <laughs> it's not okay. That's right. It's never been more important for your kids to be engaged in a level they can understand, yeah. in a way they can understand, exactly. with a team, and not just this church. Many good churches throughout the region have dedicated themselves to impacting kids. What's unique about this environment is it's a spirit-filled environment. Your kids are going to be taught to be super kids, on fire for God. Amen. Tongue-talking, casting out devils, raising the dead, healing the sick, and not just getting little Noah's story on a felt board. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let us hold unswervingly. 
How are we going to do that if we're letting the kids leave the house? <laughs> you know, um, I didn't grow up in the evangelical church, but we did grow up in church. And uh, never from my mouth, Ruth, came the words, I don't want to go to church. Um, and not only that, if we were in church, there would be no words coming out of our mouth at all. <laughs> so we sat there, mom, dad, and then the four of us like little ducks. And back in that day, they didn't care about Child Protective Services seeing you whopping your kid on the butt. And I know a lot of people in Child Protective Services, and you know as well as I do, and you think the same way I do. There are kids that need to be. Not abused, but what? So um, I don't want to say that, that we were terrified, but that's not far from the truth. I mean, but it got the job done. But it wasn't, I don't want to go to first grade. I don't want to go to this. I don't want to do that. Um, you know, it's one thing for the world not to parent their kids. <laughs> but in the church, you're commanded to parent your kids. You're commanded to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's the church's fault. It's the youth program's fault. You guys get them one, one hour a week. You get them 24 hours a day. I'm kind of thinking that you have more influence than the kid. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. So there's a whole lot more to this teaching in Hebrews than just, ah, no, hold on swervingly. It means we're going to have to make some quality decisions. That's right. Amen. Amen. To be a part of whatever God is doing. Um, you know, we, we turned out okay. Um, my sister's in full-time ministry. I'm in full-time ministry. My brother's on staff at uh, Seacoast Church in South Carolina. <laughs> And my brother James goes to an evangelical church in Arizona. Um, but I'm telling you, a lot of kids growing up in, in our households today, they're confused because they're getting mixed signals from adults in their lives. These things, holding and swerving, it needs to be modeled by us. Not just leaders, but as, as parents. Amen. Well, here's some good news for you. You don't have to crawl in the hole today and just die because you haven't been perfect. You're still breathing. You can make a change. I said you can make a change. Oh, Pastor, you know, I've done what I'm supposed to do. My kid's got a mind on it. You better believe that. Adam and Eve had a perfect parent. Perfect. Perfect environment. Everything supplied for them and still what? Still rebelled. The numbers of kids leaving their faith uh, within full gospel fellowships within the same as of God after they leave home is astounding. The trajectory is not looking good for kids who've been raised up. And people want to look at, at doctrine. They want to look at experiences, whatever the case may be. They're, they're talking just like their, their worldly counterparts. You know, they're, they're flying rainbow flags and dyeing their hair in solidarity with a message and one day, listen to me carefully, God's going to take his rainbow back. God is going to take his rainbow back. 
It is high blasphemy to use that as an image, which was what? On the tail end of worldwide judgment. How dare you stick that in God's face? It seems like not a big deal. It is a big deal. Besides that, my dad, I have his umbrella that's a rainbow umbrella, and how dare they take my umbrella away from me, amen? But I'm like, really, do I really want to use this? <laughs> when it should be what? A great sign of God's mercy, yes. not a signal and a sign of trampling on God's doctrine and His truth. That's right. That's right. Are you here today? So let us, say us. Come on, say let us. Means me. me. Means us ends. You skies. If you're in the south, you all. Y'all. <laughs> ben used to laugh at us from Illinois and in Missouri, same thing, because you guys would say things like what? Usins? Y'all. Use guys. Go further north? Amen. You get the point. Us. Capital W, capital E. We. Let us draw near to God. Not just a few weird people getting on fire for God, but what? Everybody. Let us hold us swirling to the hope we profess. We lead the way and we take everybody along we can, especially those in the household of faith, especially those in our household. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good works. Who? Let us. Do you know it's not just the staff's responsibility to spur the church on to love and good works? Yeah. Um, somebody's out of their spot ministry? That's right. Pastor, staff pastor, staff, you should call on them and see what's going on. Can I tell you something? The church should be doing things like that as well. You should be saying, hey, I missed you. We appreciate your service. You're doing a great job. We should all be spurring one another on to love and good works. If somebody in your friend circle gets offended at somebody, you should be the one moving them out of offense, not agreeing with their offense. You should be spurring them on to what? To love and good works. But oftentimes, by the time that happens, you're already sucked into the vortex of their offense when you should be the bulwark against their offense. Are you here tonight? You should be the one saying, I'm not, you're not going down this path. I'm taking you with me. We're going on with God. Amen? Somebody wants to sit there with a root of bitterness and try to spread and try to poison everybody else. We're not doing that. Come on. I'm going to spur you on to love and good works. And you know what that word spur means? Y'all ever seen a cattle prod? Yep. <laughs> hey, Pastor, I've seen yours. That's literally what it means. Come on, get out of your offense. Get out of yourself. Get out of your selfishness. We're in the end times. How dare we wallow around in offense when he could split the sky any moment? Yeah. What are we going to say to him? They hurt my feelings? Hurt your feelings? They beat me to a pulp and hung me on the cross. Hurt your feelings? Really? Do you know what they did to my apostles? Feelings? Huh? Turn to somebody and say, here's a holy. You go then to service. You see somebody in the house of God six months to you know, a year, two years not doing anything. What should you be doing? Well, tell the pastor to call him. It's let us. I've looked at every translation and none of them say let art. None of them. 
Not one of them. It says, let art. Let the pastor. It says, let us. The implication in every statement in context is let us. Let us spur one another. Sometimes you and I are doing the spur, and sometimes we're receiving the spur. Anybody here interested in horses and equines? What's a spur? They don't put these on the boots just so they can make noise in a western. <laughs> what do they do with them? They're designed to get what? The horse to move and cooperate. Amen? You ever seen a, a thoroughbred race? You ever see what they do when they want them to really speed up? They don't go in their ear and say, it's time to go fast, darling. The race is almost over. What do they do? So what I hear you saying, Pastor, is we need to whip and spur each other. No. <laughs> you got to parse everything today in the ministry. <laughs> do you know what the Kentucky Derby is? It's really just Amish NASCAR. That's all it is. Especially, especially harness racing. I used to love watching harness racing growing up. And I got a, I mean, you got to give them credit. They go pretty fast. I saw, uh, you know, one horse going like 157, 158, a mile and a quarter with the jockey in and the harness, you know, and, and, the, and the contraption. Jockey sitting on top of it. Amish NASCAR. But they don't, you know, the horse shows up at the track to run. Yes. The trainer's not going, we want to race today, right? Come on, come on, come on. We want to work in the nursery today, don't we? Come on, come on. We want to greet people, don't we? You want to get up there and play your instrument for Jesus? Hallelujah. <laughs> no. <laughs> that horse is not going to get a conversation from a world-class jockey. Amen. And he's not being abused. He's just knowing this is the time he's been trained. When he feels that, that goad, that slap, it's time to get into action. Amen. So what you're telling us tonight, Pastor, you're that slap. No. It's the Word of God that's strong in our hearts. If we have ears to hear it and guts to receive it. Let us spur. Amen. It's time to stop mistranslating that scripture where you put let the pastors, let the leaders, let the board. These are some of the finest stairs I have ever had <laughs> all these years. <laughs> it doesn't say let Rob do. Amen. Um, American. Christianity is, is, is really marked by what we call a substitutionary service, surrogate service. We have other people doing what we're called to do. And that's just not going to cut it. As the days approach, and that day approaches, it gets closer and closer, we should be what? Spurring each other on more. Do not get entangled in somebody's offense. Bring them out. Amen? Do not get sucked in by their apathy or laziness, but what? Bring them out. Hallelujah. Let us draw near to God, everybody on fire, 
Let us hold unswerly to the hope we profess. Everybody is walking this out and living this lifestyle. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good works. Next, let us not give up meeting together. Get together, stay together, and be faithful to public meetings. Um, we can come up with all the excuses in the world why we don't. But in reality, it's just good old-fashioned letting either our flesh rule us, or our emotions rule us, or our circumstances rule us. There are people that are working, there are people that are infirmed, and there are people that absolutely have issues or you know, conflicts going on. But by and large in America, this come to church every two to three weeks, maybe one time a week, maybe. And right now it's like every, every three to five weeks one time in America. COVID didn't help. Can I have an amen? amen. And all COVID was is another demonic excuse for people not to keep this scripture. And the reason I'm doing this is because this context is not just about church attendance, but it does include let us. Yes, let the pastors, amen, gather together and not forsake the assembly of ourselves. Let the leaders do it. No, let us. You're part of the body of Christ. You should be there when the door is open. Amen. If we have public services, if we have something going on, you should be a part of that. Yes. It takes some discipline. It's going to take some renewing of the mind. Bad habits have been created over the past two to three decades in America. Bad habits were created over COVID. You know, COVID deaths are terrible, but that's not the only thing that happened. There are a lot of spiritual fervor died right along with it. Amen. And what do you do? You can spur one another on this thing as well, but you have to make up your own mind that if, you know, I'm going to be part of that, let us, Amen. Let us what? Let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as is a matter of what? Some of us. Some of us what? Forsake the assembling of themselves. Now, again, Pastor Art didn't write that. The pastors in America didn't get together and say, how do we get people back to church? We need to put a scripture in there that will command people to come to church. No, that didn't happen. By inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You need to be consistent. But it's Wednesday night and I'm here. Praise the Lord. But is everybody in America in church on a Wednesday night that can be? No. Are you as consistent as you should be? Well, that's between you and the Lord as far as whether that's a true statement or not. But it's very, very plain here. Let us. Who? Not just a few people. You know, we joke about Overcomers Club, and we talk about the Wednesday night crowd. There should, no, there should be no distinction. Amen. That's right. None. Exactly. It should be the same crowd. Amen. Amen. Hey, Pastor, don't you think you should preach this on Sunday morning? Thank you for the tip. <laughs> <laughs> but first, I'm going to sow you as a seed. <laughs> but watch this. If you thought that, hey, Pastor, I think you should preach this on Sunday morning, you know what you just did? You took away the lettuce and put it back on me again. If you'd preach this. <laughs> Four wheeler behind our church here tonight. <laughs> Not in church. Um, on a four wheeler back there. <laughs> um, which I have no problem preaching the text, right? Um, 
That's the assignment. That's the call of God. But our knee-jerk reaction is, is leadership would just do something else. That's, their, that's for them to do. And that's not what the Apostle is saying here. Um, people coming to church is all of our responsibility. Yes, it is. To look and see who's not being diligent and reach out to them. Not in condemnation, but loving them. And say, so, you know what, this is so important that we get this together as we head towards the end of all things. Yes. Amen? Yes. Uh, how many like to see 100% of our church raptured if we're all here and we are not dead? Amen. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Yes. But do you know what's going to happen? I'd be lying to you if I thought that everybody that's a Christian in America is going in the rapture. Jesus himself said, you know what, you prophesied, we prophesied in your name, we did these great works in your name. He said, depart from me, I Never what? I don't even know who you are. Claim to be one of my people. Amen. Glory to God. Say, it, let us. So when it comes to let us not forsake the seminars, that, that is not the visitation team's responsibility, the pastoral team's responsibility. It is all of our responsibility. First, to make sure we make a quality decision that we're going to be faithful. Come on, say, I, I have made up my mind, I'm going to be faithful. And aren't you glad you crossed that bridge a long time ago? Yes. It's just, there's no argument about that. And that's the way it has to be. If you make a quality decision, ma'am, you know, sir, family, mom, dad, if you make a quality decision, then when Sunday comes and the devil causes all kinds of havoc, kids fighting, Cheerios flying, milk spilling, you've already made the quality decision. I'm not going if everything lines up. Devil, you can send out a nuclear bomb. I'm going to church. That's it. Amen. It has to be decisions of what? Quality. Let us. Turn to somebody and say, it's your responsibility to encourage others to be in church. But you know, it's kind of really hard to do that when you're not there. (laughs) I just want to encourage you to come back to church. Who are you? And then they come to church and they don't see you. What message does that send? Yeah. Um, you know, a fellow woke up one morning and he told his wife, said, I'm not coming to church today. I'm, I'm just, I'm done, I'm tired, I'm put out, I'm not going to church today. She goes, you got to go to church. You need to go to church. Now, I'm not going to church. She goes, you need to go to church. Why? Because you're the pastor. You need to go to church today. <laughs> and the mentality is, well, sure. Pastors should go to church. Leaders should go to church. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying, let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some among us. But instead, what we do is we make a quality decision ourselves and love other people. Amen. Amen. Now, the why of all this becomes even more critical. We get into this tonight. Well, let me just go on, on to the next one. So, say it with me. Let us draw near. Let us hold unswervingly. Let us consider how we may spur one another. Let us not give up meeting. And next it says, let us, the implication, together encourage one another as the day is approaching. Anybody here ever ran into a church member or attender who's really having a bad stretch? You could tell they were down. Yes. Amen. Detached from what God's doing, inconsistent in their devotion and their participation. 
you know, after a while in, in pastoral ministry, you see some certain things, you know, if, uh, if somebody starts up here and excited and then they gradually move back. I mean, there are some people in the house of God, the only step next for them is install the bathroom. That's how far back <laughs> in their thinking. Are you here tonight? <laughs> Um, they're serving, but then gradually they don't serve. They attend, but gradually they get inconsistent. They give, and then suddenly they don't, or gradually they don't. These are all telltale signs of something going on in their understanding about their commitment to a local church. And I, I find that when people start pursuing things other than being hot for God, these things that are pure devotion begin to fall off of people's lives. They're little signals that go on. And you say, well, that's right, pastors should pay attention to that. Not just pastors, let us pay attention. You used to teach, or you used to play, or such a blessing, you know. Sure, love to see you use your gifts again, you know. We don't see as much. We miss you when you're not here. You're such a light and a bright spot, you know, in the house of God. You're having a hard time, you're depressed or discouraged. Hey, let's pray about that. Let me encourage you. Don't wait for somebody else. It's let us. Let us encourage. Let us, say it with me, let us. Encourage. encourage. And sometimes we'll say, well, I don't want to do that because I don't want to offend anyone. It's time for the church to get over their fear of offending people and start speaking truth and love to them. Amen. What are you doing not coming to the house of God? Amen. Yeah. There you go. I said, I, I can't come to the house of God. It's too noisy and it gets on my nerves. Next thing I know, they went to a Nashville football game in the stadium. <laughs> I'm going, Really? You can go to watch them play football in that crowd and that noise, but singing a praise to the Lord is too loud and anxiety-ridden for you. Do I look stupid? <laughs> well, pastor, sick them. Come on, sick them. How about you sick them? How about you start telling them the truth? Get over your fear of offending them. Well, they're family, and, and if I offend them, there'll be tension. Can I tell you something? There's probably already tension in your household. Yeah. Every family in this building is dysfunctional. Yeah. <gasps> it is not. I'm sorry to inform you of the obvious. Your family is dysfunctional. Say it with me, dysfunctional. dysfunctional. And you're lying to yourself if you think it's fully functional. Why? Because sin has hit every family. That's why it's dysfunctional. Adam and Eve sold us out and we all became dysfunctional. Jesus came and he's making us what? Function again. The church functions again when it's let us. That's one thing just trying to, you know, pick on people and, you know, and, and you know, try to condemn them and judge them and all that stuff. That's not our call. But encouraging one another is. How sad is it that we're so concerned about what people think about us and so concerned about us being labeled as a judge or a critic, amen, that we won't even encourage people. Let me encourage you to come back to church. So what are you trying to say? I'm not trying to say anything. I'm just trying to what? I want to encourage you to start your ministry again. What are you trying to say? I'm lazy? You're judging me. I'm not judging you. I'm just what? Encourage. I'm trying to encourage you. But your little filter on tells me what? You're judging me. Look, whenever you dumb down your devotion, 
you dumb down your purity, your passion for God, your service, your giving, your involvement in the local church to pursue an interest, a goal, a job, a relationship. You have just bit off the American lie. And it won't serve you in the long run. Only Jesus satisfies. That's right. Amen. That's right. And what should we be doing? Encouraging people. Encourage them to write devotion. Encourage them to purity. Encourage them, amen, to be involved. Encourage them to be in the house of God. Encourage them to do their ministry. Encourage them to be faithful. You know, I think about things that are, that are offensive. For example, like, like provision. There's never been a time where it's been more important in our modern history for people to know about the God economy. Amen. That's right, Pastor. Sick them. You're missing the point. I'm teaching the principles. What if everybody taught the principles? Mm. Yeah. Rodney, that was weak. <laughs> are you glad that Rodney teaches the principles? Yes. I said, aren't you glad they teach the principles? Aren't you glad that Todd does? Aren't you glad that Tim does? Aren't you glad that people get up there and they share without compromise or without being bashful or afraid or ashamed? God wants to take care of you, but there are certain principles you do. We have never needed the teaching more, and people being afraid to offend others won't encourage them in their giving, and so they are blocked from supernatural participation in their money. Lettuce. This is called the lettuce sermon. Come on, say it. The lettuce sermon. Amen. Did you go last night? Yeah, pastor hit us in the head with a head of lettuce. Amen. It was a lettuce sermon. Lettuce. Lettuce what? Encourage them. So how many do believe we're in the last days? Raise your hand if you really believe you're in the last days. How many believe you're in the last of the last days? I mean, really Copeland describes this as a last sliver of time. If that's true then we need to be more motivated to keep the precepts of the lettuce teaching here in Hebrews. We should be encouraging people more. Amen. Yes. I don't want to offend people. I don't want to put people out. Hey, everybody in the grandmother has come out of the closet. They don't mind sharing their thoughts and their, their truth. Amen. There is only what? One. One truth. It's the word. Something may be a fact, but how many know the truth will trump any fact any day of the week? That's it. Encourage people. All the more. Say it with me. Let us. Let us, let us means what? It means the pastors. It means the staff. It means what? The core leadership. It means everybody in the household of faith. And not just this one. It means everybody in the body of Christ should be doing this. But people, by and large in America, are happy to have surrogates to do the let us for us. And it's become let them do it. Let them do the preaching and the teaching and the talking and the praying and the encouraging and the exhorting and the challenging and the goading. Let them do it. Yeah. And I'll tell you what's, what's even worse is that today, if you're not careful in a message like this, you'll let the devil come in immediately and steal this, just like the word and the seed on the path. Don't let him do that. Go out of here motivated. Amen. You're part of the lettuce. Say it. I'm part of the salad. I'm part of the salad. 
Come on, say, let us. Let us. Say, let us, let us draw near. Draw. Let us let hold unswervingly. Let, let us consider how we may spur one another. Let us not give up meeting together. Let us encourage one another. And more of the more, as we what? In their disconnect, if we say we believe the day is approaching and then we don't respond to this, more than ever. Well, you say why? Well, let me tell you why. A tight connection to the church provides us with a glue, a glue that you need. If you're not going to be sucked away by all kinds of perversion and all kinds of culture wars and all kinds of ideas, if you're going to be glued, it's going to be because you have that connection. You have that mentality that says, I am there. Amen. I have a strong connection to the local church. Say that, confess that I have a strong connection to the local church. Um, you know, Miss B, before she went home to be with the Lord, I've told you the story, some of you haven't heard it, but uh, in about a week's time, our staff was promoted elsewhere and they went and took different jobs. You know, one went to Nashville, one was going to overseas with some international work with her husband. You know, somebody else took a job, I think it was at the bus garage, Callaway County, is that right? Yeah. And that's right, yeah. And, and so just like that, we had this core team. And it was this all matter of God just doing things because they learned skills here that were transferable and God began to bless them and do great things in life. And um, B comes walking up the sidewalk here and goes, oh no, but she's got some good news for me too. <laughs> and she stops outside that door on the sidewalk and she says, I had a dream and I wanted to tell you this dream. I said, okay. She said, I saw a tornado hit this staff. And the staff, the tornado hit, and this one flew off in this direction. And she said, this one flew off in that direction. And this one flew off in that direction. And this one flew off in this direction. I said, what about you? She said, I was holding on to the top of the tree out here with all my might. My little feet were just dangling like this up and down as the wind blew. And then she said these words. She said, it would take dynamite to get me out of my position. Hallelujah. That's connection. That's right. For so many people in America, just, it don't matter where I am, don't matter where I live, don't matter where I go to church. It matters. Yes, it does. And those of you who know what I'm saying, that's a good example to follow. Yes, and you probably know, <laughs> Kelly, you probably know, B's not perfect. Right? I mean, you talk about not caring if she offends. <laughs> just put a microphone in her hand. You know, right now, she's up there. I mean, she's running things in heaven now. Amen. Mark is eating all the cheese and B is running heaven right now. That's the way it is. <laughs> but there she is when it seems like people are just losing their footing, refusing. That should be your mindset. Amen. When somebody chirps in your ear, <laughs> shouldn't you be offended? You know, shouldn't you be looking over here? Shouldn't you be doing that? You should be hanging on with dear life. You may feel like you're being lifted and you could just float away any time, but you hang on for dear life because there's a reason for that. Right. You know, what an amazing legacy when I think about it, that Mark and B had to die to stop their ministry. What if more people were like that? Amen. Amen. You know, critics can just chirp all they want to, but the bottom line is this. Somebody give their entire life to what God called them to do, that's impressive. Yes, and those stories just aren't in the Bible. Amen. They are among us. Amen. Everybody say salad. salad. Hallelujah. 
Number two, a tight connection to the church provides us with a family. An imperfect, dysfunctional family. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. I know my family's dysfunctional, but shouldn't the church be functional? If you take a bunch of dysfunctional families and put them all together in a church, Shazam! You have instant function. No, no, no. You have dysfunction squared. You have dysfunction on steroids. So what does that mean? It, it means that you understand that it's a family imperfect, but it's a family nonetheless. Amen. And we stand together. That's right. We fight for one another, not yes. each other. Amen. Yes. We are there in the easy times and in the, in the tough times. Not perfect. It means you walk in mercy and grace. I was just reminded of this today, but I was talking to Sherry. Brother Puckett used to say, if you're going to make a mistake, if you're going to err, err on the side of what? Mercy. mercy. Can I promise you this? You are never going to have God come down and say, you were just too merciful. Mm. Not going to happen. You'll hear, amen, <laughs> some correction maybe in some other areas. But you're never going to hear, well, you were just too merciful. You know, you and I love to receive mercy. We need to start loving giving it out as much right. as we love receiving right. mercy. Say, blessed, blessed are the merciful. Blessed. You know how this works? I'll tell you how it works. You know, several years ago, I dealt with a situation, and a couple of individuals in leadership, they were just interested in pulverizing somebody who had been a faithful servant in this ministry, pulverizing them, and not listening to sound counsel about that, they wanted to talk about every little thing that's wrong, every little thing that they didn't do right, every little thing that could, that could have been done bad. In other words, they wanted to, to rattle and talk and expose. But you know what Noah's two sons did when they saw their father drunk and naked? Walked in backwards. That's the way we should be with one another. Watch this. The fact that they walked in backwards, they saw his humanity. They knew he wasn't perfect. That's not the issue. It's not perfection or imperfection. We're clueless that they're not perfect. No. By virtue of what they did, they proved they knew he wasn't perfect. What they did was to cover, because love what covers a multitude of sins. And I'm not talking about abusive behavior, and I'm not talking about crimes against children. I'm talking about everyday life in the church. If we had that kind of mindset, amen, not just the leaders, but what? Let us, amen. To not expose, but to cover. <laughs> Could you imagine? That's what the world needs to see. Be mindful of this. Say we're a family, but we're dysfunctional. But we're on our way, aren't we? Yes. People do this way. We're less dysfunctional than we used to be. Amen. That's right. Amen. My sister walked in before she spoke a few you know, weeks ago. She said this publicly. But she's walking past my chair, she goes, I sense a strong degree of health in this church. This is a healthy church. Don't mistake healthy for fully functional. <laughs> but we're further down the road than we used to be. Amen. And what we want to be is like the two sons of Noah that did this right. And then... And not end up with a curse of Canaan, which has nothing to do with culture or color. It has to do with honor and respect. The two brothers got blessed by Noah. Mr. Exposure got cursed. 
That's a decision you and I make every day when we decide either to what? Understand it's dysfunctional. We choose to love anyway. You been turning to somebody and say, I choose to love you even though I know you got some spiritual warts. Amen. Say it with me. A tight connection provides us with a glue. Say it. I shall not be. I shall not be moved. Say it again. I shall not be moved. A tight connection to the church provides us with a family, though imperfect. Number three, tight connection to the church provides us with a purpose. Otherwise, you're off to pursue your own selfish desires and goals. Plug into an eternal purpose. That's what it's all about. Amen. He's got stuff for us to do, not just a few. Let us. Say it, let us. Yes. And fourth, a tight connection to the church provides us with a covering. Can I tell you something? People who are disconnected from the church are not protected from deception, are not protected from demonization, and they're not protected from destruction. And honest preachers will tell you that. It's not just you and Jesus in a tree somewhere. Whatever reason the devil did to get you outside of the house of God, he just stripped you of your ability to resist what? That destruction and that demonization and destruction in your life in terms of what happens, but also in terms of your deception in life in general. We can't afford in the last days to what? To be deceived, demonized, and destroyed. What I'm saying to you is there is a covering in the house of God. And all of us need to understand that. That you're protected in ways you can't even comprehend by being connected to it. Of course the devil is going to want to get you out from under that. Where you're susceptible to deception and where you're susceptible to demonization, the influence of the enemy, where you're susceptible to destruction. And those of us in the house of God, we don't live in a bubble, but I'm going to tell you this, you're going to have a far more protective, victorious, overcoming life inside the house of God than you are out there by yourself. What did Brother Rick always say? It's the banana that leaves the bunch that gets peeled. And you know what? That is absolutely true. So what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? You start adopting a lettuce mentality. So you can enjoy the benefits of being connected like this. And don't let anything or anyone disconnect you ever because of what is offered by being in the house of God. It's hard to put your finger on this, but the reality is you're in a much safer place connected to the body of Christ than disconnected. If I'm the devil, I'm going to tell you about everything that's wrong with the American church and everything that's wrong with that local church and why they don't do this right. And I can't believe that. Again, focusing on everything that's negative instead of the positive. I'm going to tell you like, like it is tonight. There are wonderful people in this church. I said there are wonderful people in this church. They're godly people in this church, powerful people of God. They're on their way to promotion and victory. Amen. You're not going to find any perfection in any of us, but they're on the path of being what God can use. In other words, if you're connected here, you're connected to a good place. But the American needs to hear this, get connected somewhere. Or you're going to be fodder for the devil in these last days. Don't you think the devil is going to relent in his attacks? It's going to get worse. Darkness, sin abounding. But well, what's the promise to us? Grace will what? Much more abound. Can I tell you something? Do you know while the, the counsel of the word, you know, the church is not over the word of God, the church does have something on its side. And it's that anointing, that protective covering. It's real. Amen. Say it. It's real. And I take hold of it. 
In Jesus' name. A switch in your mindset. There's not a person here that can't come up with a thousand reasons not to come to church. <laughs> Amen. Not to serve, not to give, not to encourage, right? To say that lettuce thing doesn't apply to me. If you're a Christian, let me tell you something. It applies to you. Every part of that teaching applies to you. And every benefit derived from it applies to you. And that's the first step is stop rationalizing away the plain teachings of Scripture. I got a yes. Can I have an amen? amen. Can I have two amens? Amen. Three amens. I see that amen. <laughs> let's give the Lord a hand clap and let's thank Him tonight. Come on, give Him a shout tonight. Thank you, my Father. The simplest and easiest thing you can do to be faithful and stay connected, just realize that mercy rules the day. Amen. Be encouraged with this from Ecclesiastes 4.12. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is what? Not easily or not quickly broken. Acts 2.46 and 47. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That let us crowd was getting people saved every single day. Amen. Luke 4.16, Jesus went to Nazareth where He had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day He went into the synagogue as was His custom. And then He stood up to read. Jesus preaching or not, teaching or not, reading the Scriptures or not, what was His custom? He was there. Now watch this. If Jesus needed to go to church. Hello. If Jesus needed that custom, yes. how much more do we? Sometimes the devil plays head games where you think, well, you know, physically I don't feel good, emotionally I'm not doing real well, or mentally I'm in a thousand different places. What, what possible good could I derive from being in church in that kind of state? I'm going to tell you, a lot. Yes. A lot. There are things that are transferred in the realm of the Spirit. And when you obey God rather than disobey God, you set himself up. And the reason that lots of people are out there and they're in danger of demonization and destruction and deception is because they're in open disobedience to God's word. It was never the great suggestion. Amen? It is the command of God left for you and for me. And I'll throw this other caveat at you. The writer of Hebrews said all these things to a people who are being openly persecuted and tracked for coming together as a church. Hmm. Same thing happening to our brothers in China right now. Mm -hmm. Wicked, wicked regime. Taking numbers, arresting, killing, pillaging, destroying churches, raising them to the ground. Everything I just told you about lettuce, they did it under severe persecution. Amen. Well, if they can do it under severe persecution, we can do it here. Amen. Amen. Yes, say it with me. Say, let us. let us. Say it again. Say, let us. Let us. And say it like this. Say, let me. Let me. In Jesus' name. So, you know, no altar call tonight. Just have a place of prayer in the next couple of days and say, you know what? I've been meditating on what Pastor was talking about and reading this scripture. Read it and read it and read it and listen to all the lettuces. And just if you have to make an adjustment, make an adjustment. But the adjustment is going to start right here. Yes. 
before it affects your behavior. It'll affect your mind first. Amen. And you'll be part of that on fire crowd that America needs. Amen. Right. Give him another hand clap and thank him tonight. <laughs> Praise the Father.